This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we're talking about seven tips for people who are feeling nervous about the markets today. Now, the stock market itself is something that carries risk. And when there's risk, people tend to get nervous. We hear from a lot of people that they're skittish about things. We hear from people the same type of feeling when the markets are up and people aren't making money because they're afraid of when that might stop. And we also hear the same thing when markets are down because they're afraid they're going to lose more money. The reality of markets are there is risk involved in investing. Monies can go up and monies can go down. And that, of course, is why we see people become skittish or nervous about the stock market. It can definitely be something that creates a high level of anxiety for people. So we're going to talk a little bit today about strategies that you can put into place to help calm yourself and hopefully help reduce some of the anxiety that fluctuating markets and differing economic conditions can cause. So the very first thing that I want to talk about when it comes to managing your emotions connected to the markets is the risk that the market has. If you're going to invest, you have to be able to accept some level of risk as a baseline because markets involve risk, as I just said. And so there are a couple different things that you're going to want to do in order to make sure you have evaluated your risk. The first is to really consider what your feelings about risk are. One of the best questions that I know that people can answer very easily is, at what point are you going to start losing sleep? So think of it this way. If you had, say, a million dollars in the market and it lost 10%, are you going to lose sleep? Now, 10% might not be the thing that makes you lose sleep, but if you have a million dollars losing 10%, that's $100,000. If you lost $100,000, is that going to make you lose sleep? So the key here when you're evaluating your risk is to think about it in terms of a percentage, but also be thinking about it in terms of what that dollar level means for your own personal portfolio. If you have a $100,000 portfolio and you lose 10%, are you going to lose sleep on that? Or thinking, well, that's $10,000 that I've lost. Is that a number that's really going to put you into a wild level of nervousness that's going to create enough anxiety that you just can't handle it? There are different risk levels that investments can be set up in. And we kind of like to think about it as a risk dial. It dials from conservative all the way up to aggressive. On the conservative side of the dial, most conservative portfolios probably have somewhere between 20 to 30% of the money in the stock side of the market and the rest of the money in something that's a little bit more stable. The goal of a conservative portfolio is to try to out-earn money that's maybe in the bank to try to get a little bit more return on your investment, but knowing that you're going to have some risk. So can even a conservative portfolio lose money? Absolutely. Is it going to lose 100% of its money? Well, I guess anything's possible, but it's highly unlikely because that would mean that every single stock and every single bond in the portfolio went bankrupt. And if that happens, well, then we have bigger problems that we have to worry about. (laughs) So 
conservative just means there's less money in the stock side of the market. If you dial it all the way up to aggressive, that of course means there's more money in the market. Your fluctuation levels are going to be more, more volatile. It's going to be more of that roller coaster ride rather than kind of a little bit of a steadier up and down climb. So your risk level all has to do with how you feel about the, the loss of money. If you can't stomach any loss, the market is not the right place for you. If you can stomach some, you have to decide where you're going to fit on that risk dial. And if you can stomach a lot, well, then you're probably going to be more on the aggressive side of that dial. But the reality is asking yourself the question, how much can I afford to lose before I start to lose sleep at night? That is going to be really informative in helping you determine where you fit in that risk spectrum. Another thing that you can do if you're starting to feel nervous about the risk in your portfolio is you can look through it and see what are your riskier holdings. There are certainly some things that are riskier than others. And there is a type of um, piece of information that's called beta. And beta means how risky something is. So the general stock market itself has a beta or a risk level of one like 1.0. So if the beta on your holding is something that's less than one, it means it's less risky than the overall market. If the beta on your holding is greater than one, it means it's more risky than the overall market. So if you're starting to feel skittish about the market, you're starting to have that anxious pull at you, it might be worth looking at your holdings to see what has a higher beta. And it could be something that you think about maybe liquidating some of those positions in order to reduce the overall risk of your portfolio. Now, of course, if you're going to liquidate, that's a personal choice. I'm not advocating that you do. And if you do, you may have to consider any tax consequences of that. But it is one way to help reduce and control some of the risk in your portfolio, especially if you're starting to feel nervous. So tip number one, evaluate your risk and consider liquidating some of the riskier ones if that is going to help you feel better. The second thing I wanna talk about is risk alignment. So there is a concept of investing that's called time horizon. And time horizon means how long is it gonna be until you spend the money that you've saved, okay? The investment industry is so good at making complicated words for something that's really simple. So time horizon, all it means is when are you going to spend your money? <laughs> all right, so time horizon can really be broken down into a couple different things to look at. We like to look at it in, is your time horizon to spend in the next 10 years? Or is your time horizon 10 years or more? We call that soon versus later. And what I would suggest is that you might want to have a different risk level embedded in the assets that you're going to use sooner in the next 10 years versus later that are 10 years or more from now. If I look at the reasoning behind that, this is it. What most investors are really afraid of is losing a bunch of money, right? We're afraid of the market taking a dive and then staying there and never coming back and we've lost all of our money forever, right? That's the worst case scenario that somebody could possibly have. But here's the reality. According to Forbes, the average bear market lasts for a year and a half. Now it feels like an absolute eternity when we're in the middle of it. And that's an average, which means some are longer and some are shorter but the average is around a year and a half. So if markets go down, 
what we have to have on our side is a longer term time horizon. We have to be able to leave the money invested so it has a chance of regrowing whenever the market potentially does come back and start to move in a positive direction again. So the time horizon thing is really critical. Um, if, if the bear markets only last about a year and a half, then what it means is this. We could probably say that that later money that we don't have to use for 10 years or more has a pretty good chance of withstanding the ups and downs of the markets. If, if we're going to be in a year and a half average bear market, we have time to potentially see that money come back if the market recovers before we have to use that money. So your later money or your later time horizon could possibly have a little bit more of an aggressive risk level to it. It could be more growth oriented. On the other hand though, if you're going to need that money in the next 10 years, you may want to take a more conservative approach with that particular segment of money, especially if it's going to be very short term, say in the next year or two. If it's really money that you're going to use in the next few months or the next year, personally, I don't think it should have market risk in it. I think that's something that you should take out that risk and move it over to something that's stable and doesn't have market risk in it. But if you're going to have some money that's used in that next 10 year period, you consider having that be more conservative. It's more of a bucket approach, a soon and a later bucket, and then align the risk levels with the time horizon in order to appropriately manage the risk within those buckets. So that's tip number two for you nervous investors out there align your time horizon with the risk levels. It's more about looking at it like a big picture approach. It's something that is very important not to just look at the micro levels of day-to-day -day fluctuations and let that freak you out. You want to look at the longer term and at the bigger picture. All right, the third tip is to diversify. Now, you've all heard that before when you're talking about investments, diversify. But what does that really mean? Well, essentially, it's just a fancier word for not having all of your eggs in one basket. There are different asset classes, which just means different segments of the market, that are based on sizes and types of companies. So an asset class might be something like large companies, mid companies, or small companies. Now, that's kind of like your clothes, right? <laughs> Diversifying in terms of size. But you have to remember that small companies are not your mom and pop corner grocery stores. Small companies are anything over $2 billion of revenue. So I certainly hope that Sterk Financial Services someday is considered a quote unquote small company. <laughs> but these sizes all react a little bit different during market cycles. And that's why it's important to have potentially have some in all of these asset classes. You also can diversify for where the headquarters is. Is it in the United States or is it somewhere outside of the United States, more an international or foreign flavor? And then lastly, there's differences between what the companies are doing in their own economic cycle. Are they more growth oriented or have they potentially fallen on some type of situation where their stock is depressed? It's more of a value buy right now and you're hoping it can get back into a growth mode. So there's all kinds of different things that you can diversify within. And the key is there is a method to the madness for how to diversify your money according to that risk level that we just talked about.
It's basically called modern portfolio theory. And modern portfolio theory says, hey, if you're willing to take a certain amount of risk, there's a way to set up your asset classes in a way to try to get the most maximum return for that particular level of risk. So modern portfolio theory is really the backbone of the method to understand how you actually diversify. Now, listen, if that's not your cup of tea, and if that's not what you want to spend time doing, that's why people like me exist. <laughs> that's why firms like mine exist, is to be able to geek out on getting people allocated just the right way inside that model portfolio theory type of wrapper. So if you're not going to do it, you might want to consider hiring somebody to help you. Congratulations to Mary Stirk and the team at Stirk Financial for earning a spot on two Forbes lists, Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors and Forbes Top Women in Wealth for four years running. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, where today we're talking about seven tips for people who are feeling nervous about investing in today's markets. We've covered evaluating your risk and aligning your risk levels with your time horizon, and we've also talked about diversification. Now let's talk a little bit about an investing strategy if you're wanting to actually take money that you have and get it invested. That's a strategy called dollar cost averaging. Dollar cost averaging basically means filtering your money in over time. So again, a big fancy name like dollar cost averaging, but a simple concept meaning put a little bit in every month over time. So dollar cost averaging has a couple of potential benefits. If markets are going down, you didn't put all your money in at the top and then they went down. You put some in at the top, but then you're buying in as the market levels go down. So you could potentially be buying at lower and lower price points, which, hey, I mean, the whole game of the market is buy low, sell high. So that's definitely a benefit. So that's how dollar cost averaging can help you if markets are going in the wrong direction. But on the flip side of that, dollar cost averaging can also be a good strategy for cash on the sidelines when markets are moving upwards, partly because we don't know whether or not we're at the high or not. So if you do do dollar cost average over time, you get some of your money in, and even though other monies are going in at higher price points, at least the beginning money has gotten in at the lower value and been able to appreciate while your dollar cost averaging strategy is playing out. So dollar cost averaging can be something that's effective whether markets are going up or down. And that's why it's an effective strategy for people who have cash on the sidelines but are nervous or skittish about getting that invested in the market. Okay, tip number five, buy when the market is down. Now, I'm the first one to say this strategy is not for the faint of heart. This is something that you have to go against everything that you feel emotionally because buying while markets are going down feels like the wrong thing to do. This is where you wanna take what your emotions are telling you and do the exact opposite of it. In fact, Warren Buffett, who's a famed investor, I'm sure you all have heard his name, once shared this gem of wisdom in his annual letter to shareholders. He said, we simply attempt to be fearful when others are greedy and to be greedy only when others are fearful. 
<laughs> so basically he's saying do the opposite of what your emotions tell you. When markets are diving and everybody's fearful, that's the time to be greedy and buy, buy, buy as long as you can stomach the risk level of it. <laughs> okay, the sixth tip that I have for you today is to educate yourself. And educating yourself can come in a lot of different venues. Listening to this podcast, to this radio show, this is a way of educating yourself. So congratulations on taking a step in that direction. You can read books about it. You can read blogs about it. You can read articles and newspapers about investing. You can connect in and go to webinars or seminars that are out there and available for you to learn more. But the more you educate yourself about something, generally speaking, the more confidence you're going to have about that subject matter and not feel so much in the dark. But if you don't want to spend time educating yourself, then partner up with somebody who does and has. Find somebody who's made a career of educating themselves about money and investing and how these things work to help assist you build your portfolio and grow your wealth and or be able to take your wealth and turn it into income when you're ready to actually retire. So if educating yourself about this isn't your cup of tea, collaborate with somebody who does. Okay, one of the things that is interesting in terms of the education piece of things is understanding emotions surrounding actual investment behavior. One of the things that people don't really understand is that there's something that's called recency bias. And what that means is people stop looking at the long-term history of the markets and they start focusing on the most recent events and let that drive their emotional behavior. So that brings me to tip number seven in our show today. And that tip is filter out the noise. <laughs> so who is responsible for the most noise? Media companies who are trying to get you to click into and read their articles or subscribe to their shows and get their share of your media watching, your social media. The thing about media headlines is if they're not grabby and if they don't cause some type of consternation or nervousness or skittishness, a lot of times you would just pass right over them and not really read it. So understand that there's a lot of noise in the world about investing that is absolutely out of proportion to the reality of investing. I'm going to give you an example of this. You know, stock markets move, you know, every trading day, right? Some days they move up, some days they move down. But if you pay attention to media headlines, you would be convinced that every day the media either or the markets either soared upwards or they plummeted downwards. It's never, eh, they went up a little, eh, they went down a little, not really a notable day in the market. And you know what? Most days aren't that notable in the market. <laughs> there are some that soar and there are some that plummet, but most of them aren't that way. But every day you'll see headlines of, of things that are like that. I mean, for goodness sake, if your choices when you stepped onto an elevator were soar or plummet, would you get on that ride? Absolutely not. So that's what people are facing when it comes to the noise in the headlines. And that feeds right into this recency bias of what have you done for me lately? What have the markets done recently in terms of how investors behave? So my tip to you all is filter the noise. Keep your focus on the big picture. 
be aware of what's going on, but don't let it change your investment strategy because of a crazy headline that you've read. Make sure that you're doing all these other things that we've talked about. So let's recap. Number one, evaluate the risk in your portfolio. Number two, align the risk with your time horizon. Number three, diversify. Number four, consider dollar cost averaging if you have cash that you want to invest. Number five, when those markets go down, think about buying. Number six, educate yourself. And number seven, filter the noise. I think that if you do these things, it's really going to help you calm yourself. It should help you reduce the anxiety and focus less on loss, you know, a version of loss, focus less on that and focus more on the potential and the possibility of what a solid short and long-term plan can do for your investment portfolio, for your retirement planning and for your journey as an investor. So I hope this has been helpful as you listen this morning. I hope I've helped calm some of your nervousness. And we thank you for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Neither Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated nor its representatives provide tax or legal advice. You should consult a qualified attorney or tax professional to answer your specific questions. Sterk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota, 57049 and can be reached at 605-217-3555. Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list includes 10 recipients per state. The award is based on qualitative and quantitative data, rating thousands of wealth advisors with a minimum of seven years of experience and weighing factors like revenue trends, assets under management, compliance records, industry experience, and best practices. The award is not based on portfolio performance or client reviews. There is no fee in exchange for rankings. Third-party rankings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation.